Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Prez of Pod Strickland to discuss a bevy of breaking Knicks news. Obi Toppin is injured. Cam Reddish is out of the rotation. He might be back in the rotation. Emmanuel quickly could get dealt as well. R.J. Barrett is having a crisis in terms of his ability to pass the basketball. We break it all down right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. This is Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day right now available on all platforms. And that includes, and you know this, you know this, if you see my smiling face on YouTube. So certainly go check us out there. Throw us a description. Throw us, throw us a comment, whether it's funny, whether it's insightful, even if it's a little critical, you know, I can, I can handle it. I, I, I need more of that in my life. I think I'm, I, I'm riding a little too high lately. I need to be, need to be brought down a peg. Um, but luckily that will not happen today because we, we have one of the best minds uh, covering this Knicks team, joining us on the podcast in Prez. Um, for those of you who have been longtime listeners, uh, every episode he has, he, every episode he comes on is an absolute banger. And uh, this one, which uh, was, was, was recorded before I'm, I'm saying this, uh, is no exception. Uh, he's incredibly insightful, uh, just exceptionally smart about the game and, and very, very good at explaining those insights. Um, so without further ado, uh, let's get into it right now with Press. All right, guys, as promised, we are lucky enough to be joined by the co-host of the Pod Strickland podcast, the co-host of the fantastic Draft Strickland podcast that I've just been informed returned today. So certainly go check that out. It is our guy, Prez. Prez, how's it going, man? Uh, outside of the, the bummer news we got right as we were about to record that Obi Toppin has a non-displaced fracture. Um, how are you doing outside of that? Ah, oh, man, what a... I mean, I guess it could be worse. So, I mean, it's definitely not good, though. And I, I know different Knicks fans have had a... We, we've all had a lot of emotions lately, and things have been a little angsty in the world of Knicks Twitter and Knicks fandom. But me, personally, I've had pretty good vibes from the last two games, the last two wins. So this OB stuff is really a, a bummer. I hope he comes out of this well and good. Well, you know, we, we might get some uh, Jericho Sims, Isaiah Hardenstein minutes. That that has to cheer you up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it would cheer up uh, Mike Woodson and David Fisdale. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, just, they'll just start attending every game as fans. And just exactly. like, you, know, you know what? The, the East is big, man. The East is big. But yeah, let's let, let's talk Obi. So he, uh, well, this is uh, from, from the uh, famous account uh, In Street Closed, which is uh, run by Jeff Stotts. He noted that uh, Obi's the second player to suffer this injury this year. Uh, Zach Collins of the Spurs uh, had it and missed uh, 10 games or 21 days on average players miss about 16 games with this injury and uh, it's particularly awkward because initially how we're going to open this podcast was talking (laughs) about Cam Reddish so maybe there's a world where Cam 
breaks back into the rotation now. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to to combine these two narratives right now. Um, what do you, what was your reaction to Cam being benched? Because I know you're a big Deuce McBride guy, but I, I guess even considering that, did you think there was room for both of them? Did you think Cam had earned a spot? And 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 do you think he'll he'll get a second chance now that Obi's out for a little bit? Yeah, all really good questions. Um, I think you know there's definitely was room for both of them, right? Like. It's glad that Ro- I'm happy that Rose has been uh, turned into a bench coach of sorts, along with Fournier. And there was a time if we had done that earlier where we could have probably fit minutes for both of them. Um, that being said, I I think a lot of Knicks fans, myself included, were so overjoyed with Cam's development from somebody who frankly looked like they might be out of the league to a solid rotation player um, that we didn't really stop to think of like how that stacks up to other options, right? Like Deuce. And I'm, like you said, much higher on Deuce than others. So for other folks who don't really think about Deuce much, it's probably more egregious to take him out of the rotation um, but to me, I guess the thing is like, yeah, we needed to improve our defense, but on the whole, the things do the package of things Deuce offers really fits what this team needs a lot more than Cam, mm-hmm. which kind of stinks for Cam, but that's the way it goes, right? Like guys get hurt and then other guys get opportunities to fill in. And the same thing, ha- that's how Cam benefited, right? He wasn't playing because Tibbs. Yeah not a fan. There were injuries to Grimes who was almost certainly going to take the spot that he eventually took back later and he got to flourish and then Cam got hurt, which is not the first time, right? That's pretty much a yearly thing now. He's he's not injury prone, but he's not not injury prone. <laughs> and you know, Grimes' emergence means that whoever whoever was filling those Cam minutes was going to have a bench role and deuce took advantage of that over the last two games and he's been fantastic and you know i talked about this on pod strickland but like the biggest weaknesses of this team in no particular order are defense rebounding um connective ball movement quick decisions whatever you want to kind of call all of that type of stuff and those are all things deuce is good at we're actually not bad at offense you know, we could shoot better for sure, but like, yeah. we're not like a awful offense. Like we are an awful defense. And, you know, you see it in the, what happens when all of a sudden you have three perimeter defenders who are crazy and you can throw out different combinations of them for the whole game, rather than just like, you only have two to rely on. That's a big difference. And, uh, you know, there's other things that I think people overlooked because it's so cool to see cam develop like for example he's a horrible rebounder and passer yeah like that's just like people like he's really really truly atrociously bad at those things and that's not even like that's he's not a bum he's still a very solid he's gonna go somewhere probably in a trade he might even play because here because of this ob injury (laughs) yeah right (laughs) um and he's really good at certain things like getting to the rim off closeouts um but getting to the rim is like the one thing on offense that the Knicks were already good at. Jalen Brunson does that literally more than anybody in the league. Julius Randle does that a ton. RJ, for all his struggles, still does that a ton. At least the getting there part. I don't know about the scoring part. But 
it's uh, and then obviously you you know you have our centers parked there in the paint at the rim most of the time. So, um, I think it's it was a, definitely a little bit messy in terms of how it unfolded. But like, if the name of the game is getting Tibbs, a stubborn coach, to somehow arrive at optimizing our players, yeah, like we're a lot closer to that now than we were a week ago in my opinion yeah it feels it feels like a very strange scale to grade on but also (laughs) it's it's like it's like oh you're letting the bad guy win and it's like all right but like we also win when the bad guy wins in this in this scenario but i'm 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 with you to to some extent i I think it's it's certainly hard for me to separate the idea of cam from the reality and like i always like just in my head while, while, while you were talking i was like yeah but like i just i watched him torch the grizzlies on opening night and and you're just seeing i mean some of uh, some of his like, footwork in the lane like like some he's of like, i mean he has some of the best finishes you'll you'll yeah. ever see like when he has those insanely acrobatic up and unders um and, and the fact is like to your point statistically like it's, it's hard to argue that he hasn't been a good player um this year i saw i think it was a box and one i just saw it tweeted out but in games where he played over 20 minutes this year, which was nine games, averaging 13 points, shooting 55% from the field, 40% mm-hmm. from three, 92% from the line, two rebounds, one and a half steals, one to one assist to turnover ratio. Like, like there is there is a good player in there. And it's I, I think to me, the the limiting factor there in in some ways is is RJ's presence yeah. on this team, yeah. um, where there just isn't a spot for him because of RJ. And I've I've kind of gone back and forth on it. And I'd, I'd be curious to get your opinion where. Like on one hand, I would say like like you look at the stats like there's there's no question right. Cam's been the better player offensively, like defensively, he's dramatically better. Where RJ has been an unmitigated disaster for most of this year. But are am I underrating what RJ does with his ability to just like to attack a static defense when when Cam is really only effective against closeouts? And even if RJ is inefficient, it's, it's kind of the same premise that the Knicks had all of last year, where there's mm-hmm. there's value in someone just soaking up those possessions and someone who can draw to, even if they're not always making the right passes out of those situations. Or, or would you say like contract pedigree draft status face of the franchiseness aside, like in a perfect world, like RJ would be the one sitting right now and the Knicks would be a better team for camp playing. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a sec to continue talking RJ Barrett's development, where it's gone off the rails and how it can get back on track But first, uh, if your professional life has gone off the rails, there's only one place to go, and that is LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And now I've, I've never been lucky enough to be in the privileged position of hiring someone. You know, if you guys, if you guys keep listening, maybe, maybe someday we'll be there with the podcast. I, I, would, I would love to have an intern at some point, but I use LinkedIn um, as, as kind of the ultimate connections tool. Like I, I was recently in Philadelphia uh, working a, a Sixers game and I was lucky enough to meet some people who uh, like potentially could really help me out with career aspirations. And LinkedIn is, is the only place I thought to go to connect with them after and, and, and learn a little bit more about what they do and how it could help my professional future. So head to LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, RJ has been stinking up the giant on both ends. Ain't no two ways about it. Even compared to Cam, who's a bench player. I've seen some people call him a starting caliber wing. 
relax, guys. No starting caliber wing on a good team is a historically bad passer and rebounder. That being said, like, there's an argument that on many of the games, he's been better than RJ. But you, if you're committing to player development, unfortunately, that means you actually have to commit to it through the rough patches, not just when it's all good. And, you know, some of that, a lot of that is probably on RJ. Some of that is on coaches getting him to buy in and change habits, get him to start passing the ball once in the blue moon. How about that? Or not closing out like a fifth grader. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff we can do. and But you have to work through some of these rough patches, particularly with guys you're invested in, like RJ, who we paid. And, you know, there's a lot of gray area between sit him for Cam and uh you know give him 35 minutes a game and and this is the this is the way you know to your point where you would want them to use both of them a little bit right maybe RJ doesn't play 35 minutes maybe he plays 28 and Cam plays 15 or something like that like does Cam deserve more sure maybe probably on this team we're not that good but like you can't just kick him to the curb you got to work through it like that's the only way to get out of get out of the slumps is and you know it's work through it right it's not just shoot through it which is what RJ seems to think the problem is yeah um so yeah I, I think I I think that's another reason why there's a lot of angst among the fan base because there doesn't seem to ever be accountability measures for RJ and Julius Randle when they're doing bad. But then other guys, right? Like like Cam, it was almost like a flash. Like he got injured and he had a couple bad games where he might have been pressing. It. And then all of a sudden he might be a Laker tomorrow for all I know. Like, wow, that escalated quickly. Meanwhile, these guys can, I was going to say a bad word, but they can mess around <laughs> for months and still get 33 yeah. minutes a game or whatever. So like, I, you know, I get, I get the anger for sure. Yeah, uh, we can. We, we were going to touch on it a little later, but <laughs> how would you how would you fix um, the RJ situation? I saw on Twitter yesterday you were you were talking about just a, a coach that could compel him to pass out of drives a little bit more often, and that that's been the probably even even more so than the continued poor shooting. The biggest disappointment for me that you you saw, um, I think it was Drew Hanlon like tweeting out all summer about how they were working with RJ on those cross court reads and, and you could clip, I mean, going back mm-hmm. to literally the first 10 games of his rookie year, him making spectacular reads, like zipping the ball across the court on a drive after drawing two defenders. And what's so frustrating is, you know, that he, he has those moments and he has those flashes within him, but there hasn't been any kind of consistency and it, it's almost gotten worse. I mean, even last night, end of the first quarter, he had that play where reduce was just wide open under the basket with a second left in the quarter. And it took RJ something like four seconds to register it. Um, and, and then the pass ended up getting deflected and, and knocked away. So do you, do you think that is, is that something inherent in RJ that he's not seeing that? Or is it, is it selfishness? Because we, we've, we've heard him be self-aware about in the past last year. He was like, yeah, I got to make that pass a little bit more. And I got to imagine Tibbs is like clockwork orange style, making him watch film <laughs> of all the times he doesn't make those passes, but what do you see? And, and what do you think the keys are to getting that on track and his season and career on track as a whole? Yeah, it's a really good question. The the passing, it, to me, the passing is the biggest, like, uh, that's like the golden goose to me more than everything else. Um, because everything else we've seen him do with some level of consistency. Like, we've seen him shoot well for, like, a season and a half. We've seen him uh, be solid defender, an important part of a top five defense. We've seen that, right? Like, 
his defense has been the most harmful part of his game to me um, this season by a lot. Uh, the offense is annoying and is frustrating. And but like you like you articulated, there is some value to just hammering, hammering the paint and just getting free throws like that's that's our team's identity on offense is really just hammering the paint. And it might be ugly, but he's a part of that. And, but the defense that that was just way out of left field. I had I didn't think he was going to become some, you know, OG on a type defender, but I didn't think he would regress. And I don't know if it's a combination of weight gain or lack of focus or lingering injury or a mix of all of the above um, because there's a combination of like, he feels heavy footed when you watch him and uh, the reactions seem a tick too late. And then the technique is really bad on top of that. And the technique part is probably the most baffling part of all. Cause he's had the best basketball education you can have. Like I'm hundred percent sure he knows how to do a correct closeout, right? It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Um, but as far as how do you fix it? I don't know. It, it, for the defense, it really depends on what's causing it. And, I, you know, sitting here on the computer, I don't know if it's, buy, is it buy-in? Is it something physical? Is it waking? Because you don't want him to just go like, you know, wrestler, NCAA wrestler style and just puke up like 10 pounds to lose weight. <laughs> this stuff, take that takes time too. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's injury and he needs to rest. Maybe it's just he's tuning tips out and he's over it. And in that case, like, I wish he would not be over it, but maybe <laughs> that's another reason to get tips out of there. Maybe yeah. he'll see Quentin and Deuce and IQ and even Julius flying around and he'll decide maybe I should do that too. Like, I have no idea. Um, for the passing, though, I think that's a that's less of a you can't fix it right now thing. Um, that's that takes a more radically different shift in his mindset. Like you said, he's always had the reads. Um, I'll never forget him having 11 assists versus, I forget, who was it? Was it the Rockets? I don't no, know. It was, it I'm was talking like, about at Duke in March Oh, Madness. at Duke. Oh, yeah. okay. He, he had a like, game. Because he had a game the first like 10 games of his career where he had something like that. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's always shown the flashes and he, I forget who he played. I want to say it was Virginia Tech and mm. he wasn't shooting well. And he's just like, all right, I'm going to pass to all these guys, right? Jones and one of the Plumleys and Zion and everybody. Um, and he ended up with 11 assists, which he's never done in the NBA. And he's, I don't know, it It would take, his identity is, a, is one of a scorer and one of, somebody with a chip on his shoulder who doesn't have, he's talked about like, he knows he doesn't have the same athletic gifts as other guys. Um, and he's always had to work. And despite that, he's always been a bucket. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it might not be the, the prettiest cross between Hezzy, like, you know, mixtape ever that you'll see, but the guy's a scorer. And when that, when he's losing that, it's easy to, you know, we've seen it with Julius last year. Like it's easy for a, a pro whose identity is hung up in one thing to, you know, if they lose that to be like, I have to, you know, this is crazy. I have to get it back. Right. Like this is my thing. And now it's gone. Like, yeah, I got to prove that I can do this. And they just double down instead of figuring out, you know, the less is more approach, which is, I think where the task lies with whoever's around him, whether it's coaches, family, friends, whoever. Yeah. I I don't know if it's going to get 
resolved to the extent that we wanted to this season. Um, because I mean, I'm just like, when you were talking about the physical stuff, I, I was thinking about Mitchell Robinson last mm. year and I was like, Oh, that, that took a while to, yeah. like, for him, for him to like get, like it took him missing like 30 games for him to look more athletic again. And um, mm. yet I wonder if, I mean, I, I don't know, that's not going to happen. And I, and, and to your point on the buy-in, like, I wonder if it is a new coach, like it's, it's just sort of mystifying to see someone that young whose identity was at least like maybe it was, it was good PR, but, but seemingly was built around hard work and like, and out hustling everyone to your point, out competing everyone, just being a killer. Like you don't get the Maple Mamba nickname without right. having <laughs> some of that in you. Um, and it just, it, for whatever reason, hasn't, hasn't fully been there. Um, I want to, I want to continue on the young guys um, because we were, or you and you and Ariel actually were talking about this a little bit last night where uh, it, it's really easy to get excited about that group. I mean, Deuce and Grimes, obviously, are the newcomers to this team, but them getting to play with IQ and Obi and Isaiah Hartenstein feels like he is a, a new lease on life playing with those guys. And that lineup, um, I mean, Deuce in general, um, a, a year after, I think he, he was something like plus 40 per 100 possessions or, or crazy last year. And, and this year, I'm, just, I'm on uh, cleaning the glass, and he's, he's plus minus is – uh, just under 23 points per 100 possessions, which is nuts. Like the first like six most used lineups he's in are plus 19, plus 29, plus 19, plus 37.5, and and this is just over 11 possessions, but plus 100. Um, so that is that is very very good, obviously, and it, and it seems like it is infectious when those guys are out there and, and the level of effort they draw out of everyone else. But I'm, I'm curious about those bench units in particular, because I do think you, you lose a little bit of pop without yes. reddish in there. And, and now with, with no Obi, who I was, I don't know about mm-hmm. you. I was really excited to get to see him handle the ball a little bit more with those groups and maybe be used as a dive big a little bit more like playing with, with God forbid we use him like how he was used when he was player of the year. No, that wouldn't, that wouldn't make any sense. That's, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what the 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 hope was with, with those lineups and with the nine-man rotation. Like I, I thought his role would get a little bit more clarified even just before, I mean, not really last game because he only played eight minutes, but the two games before that, I thought he was attacking the basket in a way we hadn't really seen since the first few games of the year. But now that he's hurt, how do you think the Knicks get more offense out of those lineups? And and maybe this maybe this neatly ties everything together because it seems like Tibbs' initial response on Obi's injury was, all right, maybe we'll try RJ at the four a little bit more. So he could he could be the replacement in that lineup. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, that bench unit for all its talents, um, beyond IQ running a pick and roll with whoever is a big, uh, they don't have much creation juice um i think that's one reason why you saw um tibbs quickly sub out the other starters and leave julius in with them in the second quarter um because he knows that julius can make up for some of that and those guys can cover for some of his deficiencies um so uh good job tibbs on uh not making dumb dumb rotations for once but the in general the problem is still there and i don't think cam I think Obi would offer a little more help than Cam if he did things other than stand in the corner, which is Obi's job this year, um, unfortunately, and occasionally like run to the hoop and dunk it. Um, great at that. Yeah. Cam, you don't really want to expand Cam's role beyond closeout attacker because that's when you get into like 
old cam shenanigans where he's trying to you know cross people up and i feel like he falls over half the time and dude uh, he, had, he had a bad one against dallas like that mm-hmm. that might have been the nail in the coffin for him yeah it's like when you're playing 2k and you try to do crossovers with a big and the game's like nope you're not allowed to and you just fumble <laughs> the ball yeah um he's so yeah i don't think cam i don't think cam is well positioned to fill that void to say nothing of his rebounding um which is he's extremely ill-equipped to play power forward in that sense even though he can defend guys because he's large um so rj if rj could commit to moving the ball i think he you know you could give rj a screen and uh versus other bench units it'll probably be a little easier for him to score and definitely easy for him to pass like we saw julius drive and hit grimes several times um it's the same principle um but the real thing that i wish they would do that would solve all of this perfectly neatly like a bow is actually use isaiah hartenstein for how you know the clippers used him when he was awesome last year like the guy this was literally his role on the clippers was bench offense hub just doing dribble handoffs and hitting cutters and stuff like that. And you have guys who do that, right? Like Grimes and IQ and Deuce move. Like I remember that one as preseason. So, you know, grains of salt and all that, but like they did Isaiah Hartenstein, like elbow passer for like a preseason game or two. And, and him and Deuce had great chemistry with that. Deuce is a good cutter, not as good as Grimes because Grimes is really good, but like, you can solve a lot of problems versus opposing bench units if you just work off a of Hartenstein. Um, will that happen? I have no idea. I think it'll be really interesting to see if Cam gets reinserted into the rotation or if they just agree it's best to uh, not reignite that flame and let RJ and Julius kind of handle that. Um, but again, they don't really have much depth in terms of threes and fours. So uh it's it's pretty much either give rj minutes there and you know the good news is tips doesn't have problems giving rj minutes or bring cam back and uh you know i i this team and this coach are not shy about just hanging on to guys and bringing them in and out of the rotation so despite all this i actually wouldn't be surprised if they were like okay cam like <laughs> you're right back in there we're a business you're a because prof- cam is yeah you know, he's very professional about all this. I think he may have been pressing the last two games, but, you know, you see it when they talk to him after the game. He's like, man, y'all know more than me about this, even though that's probably not true. But uh, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm i definitely with you on Hartenstein. I just, I, I it's kind of what Deuce was, was saying post game, where, where that type of ball movement becomes contagious. And I think mm-hmm. it's particularly contagious when you have five guys who can pass. And I, I think, I mean, I, this has been true throughout RJ's career. My favorite minutes from him are, are typically when he gets those stretches with the bench. And I, I think he starts buying into playing that way again. And it's, it's, it's kind of that old adage of like, like guys realizing, Oh wait, this, this is fun. <laughs> this is, this is kind of how basketball should be played. And it, it also just like, it not only gets guys buckets, but Hartenstein's ability to just kick start sequences by seeing mm-hmm. two passes ahead. Like we, we saw last night, it, it was actually with Mitch in, but Grimes, it was uh late first quarter. Grimes missed the three. Mitch got the rebound. 
passed it to Grimes, who was cutting right to the rim, and then Grimes zipped it right back to Mitch. And, and to me, that's that's kind of Grimes' superpower is just how oh, yeah. quick of a decision maker he is. And and that can that can compensate for I'm not not that I mean Grimes is obviously he's pretty explosive attacking a closeout, but for someone who who kind of like Cam, like at this point in his career is isn't taking guys one on one in static situations off the dribble, you almost replicate some of that when he gets a step on a cut, I hard passes it to him, someone else is moving off the ball, and Grimes can just make that decision fast and then keep on moving. Um, to me, that that is sort of the most fun version of this team. And I think you have guys in Deuce and IQ who can similarly uh, make those types of decisions. And I, I think that could be the best thing in the world for, for RJ, to your point on like, I mean, it's, it's almost like you, you talk about people making life changes and like having like <laughs> different neural pathways. Like I'm going down a whole rabbit hole here, but like that could, I, I think, accelerate that for RJ Barrett a little bit. And I, I saw the other thing, Prez, when you, when you were talking about that lineup in particular and, and to be fair, they've, despite the apparent lack of offense, and I was surprised right. <laughs> when I looked this up, that lineup, um, on, I'm, I'm on cleaning the glass. They've scored 123.8 points per 100 possessions so far, which would be 98th percentile on the NBA. That's over, that's over 21 possessions. So it's a really small sample size. And I, I guess it was with one, other, with one other guy in where they went four minutes without scoring um, against the Cavs. Um, mm-hmm. So clearly there's, there's stuff to work on there, but there's also, there, there are positives as well. Um, but the the other thing I was I was trying to get to, and then I distracted myself. The other thing you were talking about on Twitter yesterday was a uh, three point rate could go up uh, yeah. for that lineup, and that would make a significant difference. And and I'm sure for for someone like Deuce in particular, I mean, I, I just want to see him fire away because he's he's two for seventeen <laughs> from three yeah. this year, and that's that's coming off a G League season where he was what was he forty two percent on eight yeah. attempts per game. He he was he was an insane shooter. So I can you explain why you think that might be a solution? Well. It's common with all of them, um, except for Grimes and Obi. Uh, they've been getting them up this season with the best of them. But uh, yeah, Deuce, you could tell he he's a little gun shy, and he would much rather uh, do connector stuff than put him up. Um, he definitely does not. He has no interest in taking early shot clock attempts. Um, he had one possession versus the Cavs where. Uh, he got the ball in a rotation and he was like on the three point line on the right wing. And Kevin Love was between him and the hoop. And Kevin Love was like maybe six, seven feet outside of the hoop. And he drove towards Kevin Love and Kevin Love got ready for the charge because that's the only way Kevin Love can defend guys 20 years younger than him. You know, he knows that. But Deuce, that was enough to deter Deuce. And I was like, no, Deuce, it's Kevin Love. You're allowed to shoot it. It doesn't even, even if it's a floater, like, yeah, you know, but um, we saw some flashes like Deuce randomly went up, like cut and went up for a dunk yesterday versus the Hawks, and he got his dunk attempt absolutely punched. But good energy, good attempt, and you know he made a three there at the end. So maybe that, maybe my hope as a huge Deuce fan is just that that shakes loose some of that uh, some of that shooting um. Cause it, you know, he doesn't need to put him up like Grimes or anything, but you got to shoot him sometimes. Um, I, I'm much more worried. I, I think he's a great shooter. Um, I think he hasn't shot well in the NBA this year or last year. He shot well in the G league, shot well in college. Um, I'm going to just stick with the stats, even though the uh, small sample size numbers are pretty gross for him. So I'm confident that if he shoots, that thing will go in, but he has to shoot. And for IQ, um, he's, very much bought into the identity of this team as like, oh, we got to pressure the rim. 
especially now that he's stronger and faster and can pressure the rim, which is something that he wasn't able to do when he came into the NBA. So a lot of the times he'll pass up open or semi-contested looks in favor of driving. And, you know, he's gifted enough to, to be fine doing that a lot of the time because he can drive and float. He can drive and lay up. He can drive and kick. He's capable of all of that. But sometimes I'm just like, you got to put it up. Like I, I watch other teams and, just three point rates around the league are so crazy. And if you have good shooters who aren't putting them up, it takes incredible. You basically have to be like Jalen Brunson to be efficient enough inside the arc to offset yeah. that. So it's, um, it's something Tibbs has talked about. And I think it's one of the reasons why this is like a tangent, but it's one of the reasons why you see Julius putting them up um, because that, three-point volume has to come from somewhere on every team. And you know it's not going to come from Brunson. It's not going to come from Mitch. RJ's solid in terms of volume, so you'll get some help from him. Um, Grimes, thankfully, is a turbo boost in terms of three-point volume, which is one of the reasons why he fits so well and uh, why Evan fit so well last year on offense anyway. Um, So, yeah, we need on that bench unit. If IQ and Deuce can take some early clock three or just like if you're open shoot it it's a statistically good shot for good shooters um and they just gotta let that thing go yeah i iq was it, it was mystifying to me earlier this year we almost <laughs> saw him i mean it was, it was kind of a backtrack to at points his rookie season early in his second season where he was he was just a little gun shy and it's it's been seemingly three years of the coaching staff like kind of driving it into his head like Hey, you gotta like. It doesn't matter if it's twenty-five to thirty feet. You gotta fire. And you he's never tell... taken any of those thirty-footers this year. It feels yeah. like it, it's gone. Yeah, and and just and there used to just be so much more confidence in his ability to do it off of a dribble. And and even now, like generally when he's taking them, it's because he's getting a really hard closeout and he's using. I, I know. I, I think it was you who pointed out that his pump fake doesn't really look anything like his shot, but it's still about as effective as any in the league. Um, which still works is, somehow. Yeah, it's, it's a people fantastic still fear it. <laughs> Yeah, he's got people fly by because he, he does have that reputation. There's that there's that perception around the NBA that he's that type of shooter, even if he hasn't totally been that guy since his rookie year. But I, I'm with you. I think he needs to up the volume. I, I'm just curious what you think will open up for him getting to play primarily on the ball now that Derrick Rose is out of the rotation. And my, my preseason theory on that was like, oh, this is the best thing in the world for him. He got the year of experience without Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, maybe this is this is a warped analogy that doesn't make any sense. But now you're putting like the big kid like back with the training wheels. Like, oh, he's going to dominate with the training wheels now. Like like the degree of difficulty is turned down to a million. And he's, he's, he's it's it's more like, it's like in Dragon Ball Z where they train with a weighted vest, kind of. Yeah. Like, like Piccolo, yeah. Piccolo's clothes. Um, yeah. And, and I, I thought that was, that was kind of going to be the end result for him. And it wasn't that at all. Like he, he just, it didn't seem like he knew like when to attack, when not to attack. Um, and instead of being hyper-efficient, like you got someone who was super indecisive. So do you, do you think Rose being out of the rotation will, and, and I guess already has like clarified that for a little, a little bit for him? I don't. And I, it's because he, he's, I think he's comfortable playing point guard now and running the offense, but he has his three point rate is down to eight, 7.8 per 100, which is, that would be low for RJ Barrett, much less a shooter of quickly's talents. He was at 11 last year, 12, the year before something double digits in college. And we know he's a gifted shooter. Like you, you can't 
like it just shows like normally if you if you look at guys who are smaller guards and are talented shooters normally if they don't put up double digit threes per 100 they don't have good impact stats iq is the exception because he's just so insanely good at defense that you know it it's fine even though his offense is is rough like malik monk had his breakthrough uh when he broke through with the lakers and the last like quarter or third of his season with the hornets before that he started putting up threes double digit threes per 100 and all of a sudden he had the first positive plus minus of his career mm-hmm. and it's because that stuff impacts the game in a major way in the modern nba and it's like i was saying before about deuce it's it's not even always about accuracy it's just the math of it and the threat like you know you see it with teams like the most supercharged version of this is boston where everyone puts them up and everyone's accurate and now they have the best offense of all time apparently so um you know i i don't know like we saw the the fourth quarter even though the game was well out of hand versus the hawks i think that was a, a microcosm um he was in there running the offense but he just wasn't shooting threes he was trying to drive all the time and score and draw fouls and pass um which is fine in a vacuum but you need to he needs to shoot um whether that's off the catch or off the dribble more or from the line or from behind the line like i I don't know how you get him to do that other than just getting him to just asking him to do that like uh the most improved player randall year like after the all-star break reggie bullock had a similar transition right. where like after the break, he put up like 11, 12 threes per 100. And before it was single digits. So, you know, we've seen players even on this team make that change. So, um, but it is, it's just weird. Like, I don't, I don't know how this stuff works, man, but I need him to shoot it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the weird thing is that he's done it before, right? Because I mean, over mm-hmm. the last 15 years of NBA basketball, we've seen with like stodgy old players and like, like probably like, like, guys in the analytics department like showing them the numbers and be like hey you should be taking 12 of these and they're like you're, you're crazy like i can't i can't shoot 12 threes it's like it's like no we really haven't hit the upper limit yet you should you just keep taking more and it's it's strange for someone who who is newer to the league and and has literally done it before to have suffered that crisis in confidence especially when like i mean as much as he his minutes have kind of been screwed around with at points in his career like Tibbs has generally trusted him to close games. So like there, there is that benefit of the doubt built in, and I'm sure is telling him to shoot him. So I guess I don't think it's confidence with him. I think it's more of like this weird, like he just got these superpowers and now he can get to the rim. Yeah. Very well. And, you know, he sees guys like Brunson flourishing by doing that. And that's this team's identity. So it's more just like, balancing the tools in your toolbox you know speaking of metaphors that don't make any sense nobody says yeah. that but uh no, you gotta you gotta have equal weight on both sides Everyone because knows. it's not like with deuce he yeah. he'll pass up threes and then pass the ball or dribble and then pass the ball with iq it's not like he's passing up scoring opportunities he's just moving them inside the arc which is like it's cool that you can do that now but you're a shooter you gotta shoot yeah and i think I think to your point on just how like the lack of creativity that offense as much as Hartenstein can open it up like quickly as an off ball threat in like a ultra poor man, Steph role, just sprinting yeah. around. And I know, I know that's not the Knicks offense, but 
him doing a little bit of that, like it just, just creates a cascading effect. And it makes someone like Hartenstein's life so much easier because the lanes to throw those passes in are, are twice as big when, when, when two guys are running with Emmanuel quickly. And right now there's no reason to, because he, he doesn't want to shoot at that kind of on. All right, real, real quick, because I know you got to bounce, but I, I had to ask you, because I, this is, this is just very up your alley. Um, if we, we, we can call it a Christmas present. Um, if you could give <laughs> one player a dramatic improvement in one realistic skill, over the course of the rest of the season, what would you want it to be? RJ Barrett passing. Super easy decision. Super easy decision. And that would literally... RJ's regression has like changed the outlook of this team from a team-building perspective. Even though it's only, whatever, 20 games, like we have to see if he continues to be this bad. But like this is the difference between him being somebody with upside who you build around and invest in and him being somebody who you invested in on a reasonable contract and they are a stepping stone. All these guys are stepping stones to true stars to some degree, but RJ Barrett was seen as slightly less, was seen as a stepping stone that might turn into a crystal jewel or a crown jewel or something. And now he's just like a guy out there and that's fine, but that's not what we expected or planned for. So, um, I mean, I would tie between the defense and the passing because, like, I, he has improved his process offensively over the last week and a half, even if he's still not passing enough. He is passing more, and I think his two-point shooting is getting a little better, and he's beginning to draw free throws again. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a little worried about his shot, but, like, he'll he'll settle in at, like, 35% at some point along the way. But... If he if he became the passer that he could be, that would just that's like a whole that's a unique. There's very few players like that in the NBA. Like you have guys like Justice Winslow and Josh Hart who are role player wings who can get you five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten assists. But even those guys can't just create attention like RJ can, and that's why it's like even if the shooting is mediocre, even if the finishing is mediocre, even if the defense is mediocre, if he can be a passer, then all of a sudden he gets easier shots. All of a sudden his impact stats go up. Like the shooters around him start cooking. The vibes would be good. Like, man, that'd be Prez's utopia. <laughs> all right, Prez's utopia. That, that's a good note to end on. Um, I, I appreciate all the time, man. Uh, before I let you go, can you just tell everyone one final time where they can uh, find all your work? And, and um, I, they'll know if they're watching on YouTube, but for people listening where they can find you on Twitter and everything. Yeah, the popo coming for me right now. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, take, the takes were too hot. Tips is like we got to we got to shut it down. <laughs> I'm giving away the game plan. Um, <laughs> you can find me on the Strickland and on Twitter at underscore Presidente. It is officially draft season on the Strickland. So um, today, as of recording, which is Thursday the eighth, uh, the first episode of this season of Draft Strickland. Featuring Rafael Barlow from NBA Big Board. Is oh, and, and locked, locked on uh, NBA Draft as well. So it's all, yeah, all, all, right. all in the family. Double, dude, this is, you're, you're great at this. Double promotion. Um, yeah, you know, you got to get the branding out there. And then we should have um, our first. So this first episode was a light overview of some of the 2023 draft class. And our first article that we're going to publish is going to be a the first part of a two-parter going over about 30 guys who are really interesting, likely first rounders, possible lottery picks, because there's just that much talent. Um, So I don't know when exactly that's going to come out, but at some point 
in the next um, week or two. So I'm really excited for that to come out. Um, so there's just, you know, the, the, the players in college who were injured are finally playing and holiday hoops are upon us. So it's a good time for me. And apparently the Knicks are cooking too. So things, things are going well. So I'll be around. All right. I love, love the optimism. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow with one last podcast episode this week, a recap of the Hornets game with our guy, uh, Ace Zulo, AKA DJ. Uh, so tune in for that next time. I'm locked on.